CGM 99.1 FM programming is hosted almost exclusively by community volunteers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are that of the host and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of CJAM FM. For more information and resources, visit our website at cjam.ca. Hi, I'm Samantha, a past guest on CJAM's HandyLink. You're listening to HandyLink on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching high ground in Windsor, Detroit. Sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA Windsor On on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Now, the first segment of our show, folks, is a post-dated interview, so some of the events referred to may already have passed. In this segment of our show, Archie Allison will be giving us an update on Variety Village. So what's the latest with Variety Village? The latest with Variety Village, we are in kind of our, one of our busiest seasons right now. Uh, we have the Toronto Police Games happening this Saturday. There's almost uh, 200 children and youth with disabilities will be joining us for the games. And the games are led by the Toronto Police uh, volunteers and team that put together kind of eight uh, adapted sports to introduce people to new sport opportunities and games and a great chance for, for our participants to connect with Toronto Police and, uh, and recognize their support and enthusiasm. Uh, we have a ton of um, activity with our teams. We have athletes competing at World Championships right now in weightlifting. Um, some of our athletes with the Masters Games have been competing internationally and broke world records. Uh, our, our Sunshine Swim Team, uh, which is the Special Olympics program, uh, had 15 athletes who qualified for provincial qualifiers um, two weeks ago in Brampton. Uh, our Flames team is competing this weekend with many of our stores having personal bests and a lot of accolades the last few weeks at previous events. So there's more great things happening there. Uh, we're starting our Challenger Baseball program, and most recently we just held one of the first uh, wheelchair softball activity practices on Roy Holiday Field, which was uh, generously donated and supported by Jay's Care. And we had 20 athletes from all over Ontario that came out to, to participate, play, practice, and uh, actually try out for a team. That was pretty new as well. Uh, Golf Canada has introduced the first tee golf program for our kids here at Brady Village. So there's lots happening there with the program too. And we're looking at building up um, a golf team here for athletes uh, of all ages and abilities uh, to try and play and compete in golf too. 
So there's a few things going on in Canada. <laughs> and then in the next couple of weeks, uh, during National Access Ability Week, we will be hosting the Toronto District School Board uh, Activity Days. Those um, events are held over three days with 400 students with disabilities participating on each day here at Brighton Village. And it's a great opportunity again to introduce students uh, of all abilities to sport, recreation, and their peers to uh, give them people a chance to kind of play and learn more about uh, community resources, programs, and activities too. So, uh, and during the same time, we'll also be working with Paris for Ontario to host the uh, Paris Work Festival, which will be held in Niagara. And that'll be on May 31st and June 1st. Uh, May, 3rd, May 31st will be uh, open to students uh, from across the Niagara region to learn more about adaptive sport and learn from uh, keynote speakers, including our friend, Unstoppable Tracy. And the following day will be uh, open to the, to the public so they can visit exhibits, try new sports games, and learn from uh, workshop presenters as well. So there's lots happening, Cam. We're pretty excited to share some of the updates with you and I hope you can join us. So what are some of the key benefits for uh, a young athlete with a disability coming into sport? I mean, I know there's a uh, sense of freedom that comes from just being in the moment and participating in the game, but uh, for someone, say, with an acquired injury or an acquired disability, what do you think are some of the benefits of uh, getting involved? Um, the, the greatest thing that I've witnessed, and this is my 40th year of working here at Friday Village, and one of the greatest things that happens for me is just knowing that um, if you're interested in a sport activity or opportunity, that there are resources and there are options to, to get involved if you're interested in it, um, to try a new sport. For a lot of people, trying something new is a great opportunity to experience something that maybe you haven't thought about doing before, but learn that you, you can if you if you choose to. Uh, and then for athletes who have the acquired disability that were involved in sport or fitness or recreation before, knowing that there, um, you can still play, you can still participate or compete um, at the level of your choice and doing and it's a great recreational benefit just to meet other people, connect, uh, learn more, uh, and be active. So, in recent memory, has there been any success moment with Variety Village that stands out for you? Oh, oh that's a great question. <laughs> There's been quite a few successes for us. Um, our bowl hockey program is um, power hockey, and we uh, were one of the first places in North America to introduce bowl hockey. In Denmark, and they have 54, 55 leagues um, in Denmark and overseas. So, introducing a new sport here was quite exciting. And for many of the athletes that joined us here at Brady Village, it was their first time playing hockey in an adaptive form. Our, our team has started out and they've been uh, building over the last couple of years, getting to know more about the game and learning more about the equipment and opportunities. And um, last year, our team went over to Sweden and competed in the first international tournament. Uh, we were pretty excited to be there, and our athletes um, came back with the silver medal. The more excited than the silver medal was a chance for the families and the athletes to connect and uh, travel independently, uh, internationally, and uh, make stronger friendships and connections. So we will be hosting our first North American uh, World Hockey Tournament on uh, the weekend of May 27th and 28th here at Brady Village. And we have teams coming from Boston, Manitoba, London, Ontario, and Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, so we're pretty excited to host this 
first time, and I think it'll be a big success in terms of just the interest we've received, how the program is growing, and the opportunities that are happening for uh, people across the country uh, to, to try a new sport. So, so, how do you reach out to potential new athletes when, uh, when you're putting together an event or a program? How do you let the public know that uh, these options do exist for them? Yeah, that's a great question, Cam. I think uh, for people learning more about it, a lot of it is word of mouth. It's um, connecting with a peer or someone that you know that is aware of um, our facility, our programs, our services, our events, and uh, getting people to come and kind of become more familiar with it. Uh, we find a lot of people come to our building for the first time and kind of learn more about what's happening here. Uh, observe a program, meet some of the other athletes or coaches or staff that work here, and um, really kind of get a chance to experience it, try it, and, and think about kind of the options that you would like to be part of. Uh, so I think the biggest thing is probably word of mouth. Our school program here at Brady Village reaches uh, seven to 8,000 students a year, and we find a lot of students um, are introduced to adaptive sports but maybe didn't have any awareness or connections or resources to participate. So the first time to try it is a great chance to kind of experience it. Uh, we're fortunate in Scarborough to have our facility here. So many of our members, our students, when they come here, uh, we'll learn more about our facility, um, the accessibility focus and priorities to make things inclusive and accessible. And uh, for people to play and experience it here at Brady Village draws a lot of interest to become more familiar with the sport, more, uh, more familiar with our building, and to make connections with other people as well. And then our promotional events and activities that we do always generate some excitement from from visitors and guests uh, locally and throughout the province who learn more about what we do through uh, social media, uh, through our events here on site at Variety and in the community as well. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Thank you, Kevin. Of course. In this segment of our show, Christine Payne will be giving us an update on CFPDP. So what's the latest with CFPDP? We're busy as always at the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Um, many, many things going on. Right now, one of the latest things that's happened is that we have just completed uh, the signing of another endowment fund, the creation of another endowment fund to create bursaries and scholarships for students with disabilities. This one is at Ivy Business School and will fund, as I said, educational opportunities for students with disabilities in post-secondary education and help prepare them for senior leadership positions, including a seat at the corporate board table. So the endowment funds program at CFPDP is indeed part of our seat at the table program. And we're very pleased to see that moving forward. So how are you reaching out to students in post-secondary to let them know that these bursaries are coming into play? Well, the, the schools where we have endowment funds established, which include York University, Toronto Metropolitan University, uh, University of Manitoba, that's um, a fund that was set up by the Asper Foundation, and there is a portion of that that is directed towards students with disabilities, and then also Pearson College in Vancouver. Now, these schools make students aware that the 
scholarships and bursaries are available. So students who are entering the um, uh, you know school to study would receive information. So um, you know we're very pleased, as I said, to have established the latest one at Ivy Business School. So. What do you foresee the long-term benefits being for these students? I mean, having greater access to funding can lead to things like adaptive technologies for students with disabilities, for example. Yeah, I mean, financial hardship is is always a reason that, you know, all students um, find challenging, I, I guess is a way to put it. You know, it's it's not inexpensive to, to be studying at the post-secondary level, and many students with disabilities may not go on to achieve a degree or a professional designation without some type of financial assistance. So that's why CFPDP is endeavoring to set up these endowment funds for bursaries and scholarships, and we are aiming to do that at all major universities in Canada. It certainly is, um, you know, a process where we're reaching out to, you know, people in the community who have the means to commit um, a donation to the university. And then we ask the universities to match that. And CFPDP donates, um, you know, say if it's a $100,000 donation, for example, the university matches it, we would add 10000 and the university would match that as well. So in that instance, it would be a $220,000 uh, endowment fund that in perpetuity provides scholarships and bursaries to students with disabilities. Amazing. So how have you seen the community respond in the past? Uh, and do you foresee a similar reaction with this new endowment fund? Um, I think the, the response has been good, just the fact that we have been able to set up the endowment funds that we have, um, you know, is certainly very exciting. We have another one that is in the works right now with Queen's University that we are working uh, towards with another generous donor. And, you know, anybody out there in the community who wants to make a meaningful gift um, are encouraged to contact our office. You know, as I said, we've already set up endowment funds at a number of schools. You know, the Asper Foundation, uh, you know, made a gift of $5 million to establish an endowment fund um, for students with financial need at the University of Manitoba. And they partnered with CFPDP to dedicate five $1,000 bursaries each year to support students who have physical disabilities. So, you know, we're, we're always talking to schools about matching funds, looking for donors who can make meaningful contribution, and then trying to match those donors with universities and, you know, helping to bring the endowment fund to um, the finish line. So we're very pleased with the work we've done, but our work is not done yet. So what are the next immediate steps uh, in the process of setting up with Queens? Um, well, it's, it's, a, a, it's a different, slightly different process with each school. The first step is to find a donor who uh, makes a commitment to make a donation. And then um, each school that we work with goes through a process where they set up um, draft terms for review by the donor. And so it's kind of a back and forth process that you go through with a number of departments at the university. 
And then once everything is finalized, an agreement is signed between um, the donor, CFPDP, and the university. And the university establishes the endowment fund and takes things from there. So if you could send any message to the community about the value of this work and uh, the need to keep it going in perpetuity, what would you say? I think that helping create the leaders of tomorrow is important and helping students with disabilities who may not have the means um, or who may need some financial assistance to reach a, you know a professional designation for example is a very worthwhile cause um, if you're looking for a place to commit some of your funds uh, part of our seat at the table program as you know we are um, trying to increase the diversity at the board of director level of corporate boards across Canada. And right now, less than 1% of directors on corporate boards in Canada have a disability. And we are working very hard to increase that number through our seat at the table program. This endowment funds program is uh, another step to help make that happen because we're helping to create leaders of tomorrow, people who are, you know, working towards, um, you know, careers in a number of fields that can have an impact on a corporate board in the future. So we see this as helping to build a deeper pool of potential and future leaders, people with disabilities, to help, you know, throughout the business community and hopefully eventually also for a seat at the corporate board table. Like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Absolutely. Thanks. Handy Link will be right back after these commercial messages, so stay tuned. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health or addiction, consider registering to the new REACT program launched by Downtown Windsor Community Collaborative. REACT is a 90-day program committed to understanding your story and supporting your journey to healthy and long-term healing. All sessions are online and completely free, running weekdays from 9 a.m. until noon. Visit reactwindsor.ca and instantly be connected to a safe and supportive community. That's reactwindsor.ca. Welcome back to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA Windsor On on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Earlier in our show, Archie Allison gave us an update on Variety Village, and Christine Payne told us a little bit about the latest happenings with CFPDP. In this segment of our show, Frank Iannuzzi will be telling us a little bit about his disability journey. So, can you tell me a little bit about your story? Yeah, um, I've been a winter user all my life, so basically I'm a T7 paraplegic. Uh, um, I, my accident was, uh, during birth, so I've been a wheelchair user all my life. So, growing up, uh, what were some of the supports you used to, uh, 
to stay at your best and to keep strong. Yeah. Tough question, because uh, back in the day, things were definitely uh, a lot more different, where uh, accessibility, disability was about survivor of the fittest. Uh, and accessibility was uh, a treat, uh, versus today, you know, a lot of the places it's mandatory. Where my biggest support would be my family. Um, I felt that when I started school, um, I was living two lives. I was living uh, my normal life, where I felt normal with my family because they treated me just like my siblings uh, growing up. And then I would go to school with people with disabilities and they would focus on your disability there. So it was kind of a dual life. And I attended places that were called Ontario Crippled Children's Center, which would not be something very accessible, uh, acceptable today. Um, so it was a different time. Ramps were not expected. A lot of times it was just being able to survive and, you know, lower your expectations and you either had a choice of accepting what's in front of you and making it work versus losing out. So I was always one that just made it work. So in doing that, did you ever find that you broke through some of those myths and stereotypes about persons with disabilities? Yeah, uh, and I think that's the trick, where um, your personality has to come out and you need to demonstrate your ability. And when people could see that, you know, slowly the wheelchair would go away. Um, you know, growing up, I grew up on the streets like any other, you know, kid back in that day. I played floor hockey, uh, sorry, street hockey with my friends. I was the goalie. Uh, so I was able to stay firm in net and, and block shots coming in. So it was that type of um, environment where I, you know, I, I grew up in a very uh, cultural area. I was an Italian area. I've, I've got Italian background, born here. But, um, you know, it, my friends did not see me as that disabled person um, where I was included in all the outside events and we, you know, get together all the time. So I felt quite normal growing up. It's when I was exposed to the, the disabled community is where I kind of felt uh, as one of the outcasts. Um, and then that slowly changed as I matured and, you know, learned more about the world. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was really about you know, make, like I said earlier, making it work. It's okay, I could play street hockey. Uh, and my the best position for me was to basically stay in that. Uh, and it just seemed to work. So, as an athlete with a disability, I've heard uh, a lot of times that when such athletes are just out there doing their game, they're not thinking about their disability as such. They're just kind of living in the moment. Any experience with that? Yeah, so I started playing uh, basketball at a fairly young age. I was nine years old. And that's what really made the big difference because then that's where you really learn to push your limits. You, you learn on really hard work. Uh, you learn the limits of your body. Um, so 
what happens with that, you don't, you, as you learn to push your limits and you, and you train, you're not thinking, oh boy, I wish I could do this. You, you just really focus on how far you can go and realize, wow, that's pretty amazing that I could do that. So, uh, I must, I must admit like the uh, wheelchair basketball provided me more than just a sport. It provided me independence because I was stronger because of it. So I was able to maneuver through society, through bathrooms, because back then they weren't necessarily always accessible. Uh, traveling, getting on a plane, where instead of waiting for a straight back, you know, I would just kind of grab onto the railings of the seats and work my way back to the seat. So it, it really opened up a lot of uh, doors for me where I became more and more independent because of my sports. And, you know, I, I was able to travel all over North America and Europe because of my sports where, you know, if I look at my brothers today, you know, they're, they're all hardworking people, but, uh, you know, haven't traveled as far as I have, uh, um, haven't uh, accomplished as much as I have um, because of uh, the opportunities that I w- was given. So, do you have any advice for any aspiring athletes out there who might be wondering, does my disability have to hold me back, or is sport something I can get involved in? So, 100%, I would recommend that you need to get into sports, because that will give you the independence uh, through your day-to-day life. It will expose you to other folks with uh, disabled people. And, you know, being part of that community does help. And at the end of the day, it's, it's like no other, uh, same as any other athlete. It's about hard work and feeling good about yourself and reaching your goals, your personal best goals. Uh, as you reach those goals, you, you learn to really stretch and, and, and continue stretching uh, to find what your maximum is. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Sure. Thanks. You know, my friends, Christine's interview and the idea of a seat at the table really is a reminder that individuals with disabilities have a place in all facets of life most definitely should be included in those decisions that will ultimately impact them. The fact is, individuals with disabilities are vital to the substance of any given community. Whether it's acknowledged or not, diagnosed or not, the fact is, everyone is affected by disability life. Even if it's not us personally, it will be a friend, a family member, someone we're acquainted with. And disability has struck in every family line. Truth is, we show anything less than proper dignity and respect to a person with a disability. We're disparaging our own heritage. We're saying, your voice doesn't count as much as mine because I move a certain way, see a certain way, hear a certain way, think a certain way. How is it we can convince ourselves that any one factor is quote-unquote superiority by bringing together 
the able-bodied community with those with disabilities. They can sit down, have a discussion, and maybe come to realize they're not so far apart. The world is not so singularly layered. It is not so much a matter of you have a disability or you don't. Disability is a huge tapestry. It is so many layers, so many diverse interpretations, so many diverse ability levels. And in many ways, it is a beautiful thing in so much as it brings a new perspective to the world. Yeah, the world might be all shades of one or the other, but if you see a more vibrant array of people and ideas, you come to realize that our perspective is not the only one that counts. And from that, not only are new ideas forged, but our own thinking begins to grow. For an idea unchallenged and unchecked never progresses, and a mind that deals only with the same types of people over and over again is unlikely to ever step outside their own shoes, unlikely to see beyond their own doorstep. But by giving people with disabilities a voice and a seat, a chance to express things, express what really matters to them, bring that together with others, especially in business boards, it's an amazing opportunity, I think. This has been HandyLink. I'm your host, Cam Wells, reminding you we're all equal. So get on out there and have yourselves a good one. Something tells me you've earned it, folks. We'll see you next week.